Good day, beloved, and greetings from South Africa. I'm very grateful for this opportunity to share my hope in the gospel with you today. Uh, this is a message I recently shared uh, with Christian men in Malmesbury Prison uh, to encourage them not to let their short-term goals divert them from their life goal in Christ Jesus. But before we start, let's bow our heads together and let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you came in obedience to your Father's plan of redemption and lay your life down for us on the cross. Thank you for your atoning sacrifice for our sins. And so now as we open the Word of God together, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would illuminate this Word into our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have a Bible with you, uh, open to uh, Philippians chapter 3 from verse 12. Philippians chapter 3 verse 12. And I'm reading from the ESV translation. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This message is entitled Pressing On Towards the Goal, and I'm fairly sure <clears throat> that you would agree with me that setting goals is a good thing. And that's good because the Bible even tells us that. So in Luke 14, verse 28, it says that before building a tower, you, you should count the cost. Um, draw up a budget and come up with a plan before you begin construction. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6 to 11 says, Laziness, or living without motivation, or without planning, is not God's desire for us. Proverbs 21, verse 5 says, Wisely setting goals leads to better results. Now, that said, we must avoid the two extremes of not setting goals and setting goals that don't include God. James chapter 4, verse 13 to 15 tells us that, well, setting goals is not a guarantee of achieving them. And secondly, our goals must be infused with humility. Plans are good. Plans are good if we leave room for God to change our plans. His plans take precedence over ours. Proverbs 16 verse 9 says, In his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. Now you might be sort of thinking, well, I'm going to hedge my bet and not make plans because then I don't get upset when they change and I don't run the risk of making plans. Well, we can take some comfort from the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, where he says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you 
Therefore, don't be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now, with this biblical foundation in mind, let me share my testimony with you. In 2008, Corin and I, with our two young sons, arrived in the United States. And after a period of looking for a home church, we uh, arrived and at and joined Union Hill Church. I was working at Microsoft at the time, and in 2011 I heard the call to full-time ministry. And therefore I went back to school in Kirkland and earned a master's degree with the goal of becoming a pastor. Much to everyone's surprise was that the call was to return home to South Africa to minister among the poor communities on the Cape West Coast. It wasn't to remain in the United States. Pastor Ben was involved in my uh, studies as my, as my local pastor, and we had talked on occasion about opportunities that might exist for me um, after my studies, perhaps at Union Hill or perhaps within the Alliance. So it was a surprise to him and to the Daltons that God was in fact calling us home. Now, as parents, Corinne and I had set ourselves the goal of ensuring that our children would get the very best start in their lives. For us, this meant they needed a good education. Uh, in other words, they needed to finish high school and, and get a degree of some sort. And so our life goals were pretty much wrapped up in providing for our family in this way. Uh, this was a big one for us. And, um, of course, also once they left the nest, then, of course, um, our life goals would be about our own retirement and continuing on with what we were doing. But my point is this, that despite hearing a clear call to return home by God, I began to bargain with God about the timing of my obedience. We'd been living and working overseas since 2002. We'd begun to enjoy the benefits of living overseas in the Middle East initially, and then in Western Europe, and finally in the, in the United States. While we're not extravagant people, the prospect of returning home to South Africa, which was a compelling one, an exciting one, we are South Africans, we were born there, we always intended to return back to South Africa. But this was counterbalanced by the realities of living in South Africa, the crime and the poverty, our history of racism, the inequalities, the list is long. And also, that we would need to be leaving behind a lifestyle that we enjoyed. So I was willing to be obedient to God's call, but I wanted to achieve our goals first. And yes, we'll do it but we'll do it after our goals had been achieved. Well, God had a different plan. 
And so regardless of what I was thinking, in late 2013, the Daltons returned back home to South Africa to plant a church in an informal settlement of Middleport, which is located just outside of Soldana on the Cape West Coast. Uh, it's a ghetto. It's a slum area. It's predominantly African, uh, black African uh, population, and they are living in squalid conditions, uh, squalid conditions. There are low levels of education, there are high levels of illiteracy, there's high levels of unemployment of, for the, amongst the community. Uh, and of course, there are all the social ills that come with that kind of an environment. The crime, the violent crime, the drugs, the, the gangsterism, the social neglect. My testimony, though, is that by, through God's grace and providence, uh, knowing that this kind of a ministry would not be financially sustainable, God provided for us. Now, he provided us through the love, he provided for us through the love and pursuit of the Union Hill Church. There are at least two or three families that I can think of just off the top of my head uh, that were very uh, helpful to us. The whole church, of course, was helpful, starting with Ben and the elders and just everybody, you know, the love, the pursuit, the financial support, the practical support. Um, you know, leaving a country that's not your own, is it's, it's not for the faint-hearted. There's a lot of practical things that need to be done. And God just, you know, surrounded us with people that really cared for us and were uh, sending us home. The church sent us home and, and many of those relationships, I'm very pleased to, to say, um, are still intact today um, by God's grace, not, not by our doing, that's for sure. Um, but certainly your love and pursuit um, has really made this ministry possible. But God provided for us in another way as well. And in 2015, I was um, uh, able to take a, a job at the, a local university. Now, you'll remember, I was, uh, we were setting goals for our children's education. And God made it possible for me not only to earn a living that uh, I wouldn't have earned directly from the ministry, but also for our children to complete their university studies. One of the benefits of working at a university in South Africa is that your children's tuition fee are waived and therefore a very large uh, financial burden was, was moved off our, our backs by God. Yes, we had to pay for accommodation and, you know, transport, food, that type of stuff. But, but in the end, um, uh, the, it would not have been possible, in my view, in, uh, uh, for both of them. So, so, so another point that I want to make in this testimony is that despite putting my goals ahead of his, God gracefully ensured that our children will be graduating from university this year. My eldest son, Courtney, with a four-year computer science degree. My youngest son, Owen, with a master's in musical composition. And all the while, 
yielding a harvest in the township of Middlepost. Now, there are many other examples of where we've <laughs> done this and um, can't have much to show for it, but I wanted to share this particular, this example with you um, to, to, to highlight uh, that we can trust God in these things. Now, Jesus teaches the parable of the four soils, also known as the parable of the sower. And this is in all three of the synoptic gospels in Mark chapter 4, in Matthew 19, and in Luke chapter 8. Uh, this is a familiar parable to, to most people. And of course, if you aren't that familiar with it, I encourage you to go and read it. But if you have a Bible and you want to turn with Mark, to Mark 4 um, from verse 7, I'm going to focus um, just the, this, the conversation uh, in, in the uh, pursuit of keeping this brief um, from verse 7. So the sower is sowing the seed. This the seed is the word of God. And uh, yeah, so some seed fell amongst the thorns, verse 7. And the thorns grew up and choked the seed and it yielded no grain. Other seeds fell into good soil, produced grain growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. Now, if you know anything about agriculture or, or, or farming, less than 10% is typically considered normal, uh, not 30, 60, and 100-fold. So this is certainly a yield that it's far surpasses what you and I could achieve by ordinary agricultural methods. Now, our Lord explains the parable, and that's why um, I'm going to read from verse 18 in Mark chapter 4, verse 18, where he explains the parable that the sower is sowing seed, and the seed is the word of God, and it is landing in soil, and those are illustrations of people that hear the gospel. Now in verse 18 it says, And others are the ones sown amongst the thorns. There are some people who receive the gospel like the seed that fell amongst the thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit, 30, 60, and 100-fold. From this parable, it's clear that our hearts can and are drawn away by the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things. Just as I testified to you today that it happened in my heart. Sadly, we all have hearts that are choked with thorns. This might be a shock to you, maybe, because, well, we were hoping or thinking that our hearts are the ones like the fertile soil in the parable. But we deny this truth because 
we can point to fruit in our lives. Yet in our heart of hearts we know that we are being taken off track by short-term goals that we have set, perhaps even without God's involvement. The good news is that we have God's Word and His Spirit to move our lives towards our divine purpose. So I wanted to leave you with two questions and a word of encouragement. The first question is, how have your short-term goals affected your life, causing you to get off track from what, with what God has called you to? And the second question is, what spirit-led short-term goals could you set that might move you back onto the path or keep you on the path that would move you towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, as Paul wrote to the Philippians. I wanted to leave you with an encouraging word. Today, for the Daltons, life in South Africa is not easy. We are living daily with 9 to 12 hour power cuts. We are without electricity for half the day. Uh, we lack reliable drinking water, clean drinking water. There are questions about food security. There's rampant crime. The economy is steadily failing, which is linked to all of these factors that I was mentioning previously. There's high unemployment. There's an uncertain political future. Now, the encouragement comes from the fact that despite our circumstances, despite our environmental factors, some most are out of our control. We put our hope in the gospel of Christ and we believe the word. Especially when it commands us to do three things. Forget what lies behind and strain towards what lies ahead. Set goals that are infused with humility, that are spirit-led and subject to God's will. Put away anxiety. Put the kingdom of God and his righteousness first in your life. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the hope that we have in you. Thank you that we have your word and your spirit so we may know the truth and that the truth may set us free. Holy Spirit, I pray for all who hear this message today that you would convict them in their heart of hearts, that they may see the goals that are leading them away from that which God would have us do in our lives. Thank you for this opportunity to bring the word today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.